Hey, thanks so much for listening in to the Better Podcast. We're back with our pregnancy series. This is part two of three episodes that we'll be doing, focusing on demystifying the pregnancy process. Should you train when you're pregnant? How should you train? How should you eat? What should you listen to? And all that surrounding birth. We have the privilege of having Emily Crutchley with us today. Emily wears so many hats. She is a lawyer by day and now a new mom by night. But the identity that got us connected was CrossFit. So Emily competed as a multiple-time Pacific Regional CrossFit athlete representing Coastal Fitness Hong Kong. And she recently gave birth to Fletcher. And we catch up with her on how she managed to own her pregnancy, train throughout it, and navigate the cultural nuances of being in Asia. One of my favorite things about the conversation you're about to hear is the fact that we touched on identity. Emily talked to me a little bit about how there was a grieving process for letting go of her identity as an athlete in honoring the fact that she's now gestating life and needed to have a longer perspective on just what being healthy means. So I think all of you guys who are listening out there, whether you're female or not, pregnant or not, at some point of your life, you might have been sidetracked by circumstances, injuries, whatever it may be that has taken you away from the identity of being an athlete or being somebody who takes training seriously. I think this will allow you to have some perspective on how to deal with that. And uh, as usual, thank you so much for listening and I hope you really enjoy the next 60 minutes that I have with Emily. Welcome Emily to The Better Podcast. This is actually our second attempt on getting Emily onto the show. Our first well, our first attempt was a really good show, I thought, but unfortunately, technology was not on our side and we failed to record that. Welcome back, Emily. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. And it's all good because we've had a fairly significant development since we last spoke anyway, so maybe it's <laughs> a good thing. Uh, the fairly la- large development is a human being named Fletcher who looks absolutely gorgeous, by the way. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's pretty cool too. <laughs> <laughs> How has it been? How has he been in terms of um, growing? Yeah, wow. You could say a hundred things, like life of the newborn. It's a big one, eh? Right? Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's awesome. He's such a little champ. Like, I'm totally smitten. Um, but it's tough. Like, it's, this newborn period is super tough. So he's one month old today. And I don't know where the last four weeks have gone. It's just been a blur. Um, but I feel like I'm sort of slowly, like Chris and I, fight, like starting to find our way with it. Um, so, yeah, it's all, it's, all, it's all pretty good. And I'm just so in love with him. He's awesome. So, <laughs> mm. And uh, how did that name come about? Yeah, a lot of people asked us that. We just liked it. Um, so his middle name is William, which is more of a family name. But Fletcher, we just thought it was a really cool name. And um, I kind of, I've always quite liked last names as first names. So yeah, mm. I thought it sounded kind of cool. It's funny, like when we actually Googled it, the only place that it even registered on like the radar of popular names was actually New Zealand. So we must have heard it somewhere back at home in New Zealand. <laughs> um, but everywhere else it was like not even on the radar. So yeah. Right. Cool. So um, we're going to talk a little bit more about your about your pregnancy journey um all the way until today so we're kind of doubling back to come forward again um can you tell us a little bit about you know who you are before you became mom to fletch and obviously mm-hmm. include a little bit about your background in crossfit achievements in your sport and maybe just life outside of crossfit or your what was your lifestyle like sure. before the little one arrived okay 
Um, so yeah, I guess I'm 30 years old and I'm a New Zealander, but I've been living out in Hong Kong for five years. Um, I moved mm. out here for my job, so I'm a corporate lawyer. Um, I do employment law, I work in-house at a bank. So yeah, I came out here for work, and mm. um, but obviously I got really heavily into CrossFit, um, and it was, that was something that started for me um, in Hong Kong. It was not something that I did back in New Zealand. Um, I was always kind of keeping fit but not doing CrossFit. But um, when I moved out to Hong Kong, I needed to meet people and find a community um, because I was you know, new to the country and we didn't know anyone. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I found, found CrossFit and the, the awesome community that comes with that. And, yeah, and then just fell, fell, kind of fell my way into competing and just found an absolute passion for it. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of been my life mm-hmm. for the last five years. I work, you know, like I work my usual business hours and then I, I train early in the mornings to do the CrossFit thing and on the weekends. And then, yeah, I think, so, uh, I think when you, sorry, so I was just going to add when, when you say that, you know, it's a normal, you, when you said that it was a normal life, um, I think a lot of people, you know, in their heads, they're thinking, oh, well, she wakes up, you know, 7am and she goes to work and comes home by five. No, no, no. Like that's a, <laughs> that's an easy day on your calendar. Yeah. You get up at like, tell us what, tell us what, t- what time you get up at um, uh, just to work out. Yeah, and so it's funny. Dance. Yeah, Hong Kong's kind of funny because I luckily, like, I feel like work actually starts relatively late here compared to like New Zealand and Australia. So I get up and train at, I'm up at five thirty um, to be in the gym at six to train, and then mm-hmm. I, depending on how effective I am training and how much I muck around and gossip and take ages having a shower, I try, I try, I, should, I try to get to the office by nine. More often than not, it's nine thirty. Um, and but that's the Hong Kong lifestyle is that it's a very late night um, working culture. And for me, mm. I work I work for a, um, a US based uh, bank, and so I do a lot of late night um, phone calls. Mm. So I tend to get home like at a decent time, like maybe like seven seven thirty in the evening. But often I've got a, like calls scheduled for ten mm. or around that time. Uh, so yeah, it, it is quite a long day. So it's an early start to train and a late late finish to work. Um, but I I found a way of making it work anyway. And I think, I mean, I'm not the only person in Hong Kong living that kind of full on lifestyle. It's a very, it's a very busy culture for anyone knows it. So I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm an oddity, even though it seems like a a big long day, but it's, you know, that work hard, play hard lifestyle in Hong Kong is fairly common, I think. Right. And somewhere, somewhere in between that, you managed to find time to go to the regionals multiple times as a team and also as an individual and then conceive and be pregnant and, all that. <laughs> this was, was like, like yeah. nearly five years though, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I did. I did. Uh, yeah, so I've been to regionals um, four times, three, yeah, three times as a team, one time as an individual. Um, mm. And yeah, so like my, my first year at regionals was back when it was just Asia and we went off to Korea. I think that's when we first met Mel, um, which seems yeah. like so long ago. Like the sport has developed so much since then. It's crazy. Um, yeah. I was like, <sighs> three, three months into CrossFit, no, more than three months. Like I'd started CrossFit in like the September. 2003 <laughs> and by what was regionals like may 2014 like i was at regionals it was crazy <laughs> i remember writing your article for for crossfit hq thinking oh my gosh this team is as green as green can be but just so much potential in it and i remember you guys dominating that handstand walk workout and just blowing everyone out of the water and finishing you know just so well despite yeah. a rocky start i remember that year i think andy brett santos was on your team and he was he was ill 
I can't remember. And yeah, he was super sick on the morning of regionals, but the whole, like, mm. your alternate thing, you can't, like, once you've checked in, you have to use the athletes that you've checked in with, and we'd, we'd checked in with Brats, and he was quite sick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I actually thought about that. There was a bit of a drama. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he, he and, it, so, yeah. It, it's amazing, because then after that, like, dra- dramatic start, um, when it was time to take the floor for the handstand walk, and half the field was eliminated because, you know, no one could handstand walk at that point of time. You guys just yeah. walked out there and it was like, no big deal. So yeah, that, that was awesome. Then. We still talk about that because we surprised ourselves. Like <laughs> the night before we threw the career, we were still like flailing around the gym. And, <laughs> you know, like I don't even know, like I watch um, Ed and the other coaches at Coastal now teaching people to handstand walk and we, they understand the movement so much better now, like how to teach. But back then, like it was so new, like handstand walking, it's the first time that I think, I think it had come up certainly for us. And we didn't know. Right. So we just, our, our approach to it was like, just launch yourself across the floor and hope for the best. And so, yeah, um, yeah we all yeah, know. I remember together. that. Yeah. Um, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, you're on the money in terms of like how the industry has grown, not just in like its size, but the depth of the knowledge of the coaches. I remember thinking back, I think, I think a week ago I was having this conversation with a friend and I was so angry because um, I think a part of me was just resentful that this this development didn't happen earlier in my career yeah. in CrossFit because, yeah. you know, I ended up suffering two back injuries and then had, like, torn shoulders and all that yeah. because at that point of time, all we knew was, well, a pull-up is getting from a hanging position to your chin over your bar. No one ever took the time to tell me, you know, you need to use your lats, this is what they're for, and then this yeah. is how you get your shoulders in, in, you know, good shape through accessories and yeah. At that point in time, it was twenty one fifteen nine. Go, go right? Yeah. But... I think I've been I've been lucky. Like the guys at Coastal, so I train at Coastal Fitness, mm-hmm. um, and they've always been really on top of the training and the coaching. But mm, you know, they, they're only as good as the current you know information that was out there. So exactly. we were all doing we were doing the best of the knowledge that was available at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just changed so much in this year. So we were like doing the best we we could. And I think we had a pretty good foundation. But equally, like. A lot yeah. of I learned stuff was um, just copying. Like yeah. I would just watch the guys do their kipping pull-ups or whatever, and I'd just go and imitate the movement, which, which yeah. kind of got me through to a certain extent. But now like a lot of my movements now, I think they're probably relatively inefficient because I didn't like get them super right in the beginning. But it's cool. Like we've just gone back and, you know, like I, I, I get coaching and I've tidied them up. But, yeah, at the start it was all pretty yeah. loose. Just gave things a go, right? So Yeah. I mean – I, I think one of the things that you you do get as a uh, as a benefit or a side benefit to, I guess, getting pregnant is that you have to slow down and go back to the basics. It sort of forces you to reevaluate your movement patterns because now you've got more than just yourself to think about. Oh, absolutely! That's so true. That's very true. How have you um, how have you felt your training has changed since? Uh, I mean, during your pregnancy. Let's talk. First, second, third trimester. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I guess if you take a step back and look at the whole pregnancy. So for me, like, my kind of pregnancy journey, I suppose, started after the last event at regionals last year finished. Like, put the worm down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like, the next phase of my life is, is um, trying to conceive and starting a family. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember I got super emotional about it. I generally get emotional at regionals anyway, but I was like super emotional. <laughs> so I was like, wow, this is kind of a bit of an end of a, not the end of an era, but it was certainly a big moment because I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to have to back off here. And 
to change yeah. my mindset. And so, yeah, so that was a big change. I went from like full-on competitive fitness to um, trying to conceive and then going through a pregnancy. And that was a big change for me, both in terms of like the, what I was doing physically, but also my, my mental approach to it. Um, mm. Physically for me, I took a big, big step down from training in terms of volume. I mean, I was still in the gym five days a week, like I always had been, but in terms of volume, obviously it dropped way back because I knew, I mean, I'd been pretty rough on my body for the last yeah. four or five years of competing. Like we all are, everyone that does CrossFit, we're pretty hard on ourselves. And mm. I knew that in order to, to conceive and have a healthy pregnancy, like I, I knew I needed to back off and give my body that time to kind of relax and recover. Um, so that was a big shift. And then, yeah, like was, uh, my husband and I were super lucky and we, we were able to conceive pretty quickly. And yeah, we're kind of straight, straight into it. And But you're right, like the mindset just had to change immediately because, you know, you're not just looking after yourself anymore. You're looking after a whole other human. So like, you're not that important, but like, the baby's the most important now. So it was, it was definitely a big change. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you said you dialed down the volume, was there anything else that you needed to take out of during your first, second or third trimester? Yeah. I know we spoke a little bit about this before. Yeah, so it's an interesting one. So I think there's been this really big shift in thinking. So I was sort of talking specifically about, you know, women who are pregnant doing doing CrossFit. For a while there, it was kind of like, you know, pregnancy is not a disease, which it's not. Like, pregnant women can do anything. And, like, so you get a lot of stuff on social media, like, look at me, like, I'm 40 weeks pregnant. I'm doing my muscle-ups. I'm doing kipping pull-ups. I'm doing handstands. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean I can't do these things which I think is awesome because it, you know, it got pregnant women, you know, not feeling scared and sitting at home mm. too scared to exercise. However, I think it went too far and you had women like doing these things, which like, yeah, sure. You can still do them. Like I got to my third trimester and like, could I physically still do a pull up? Yeah, absolutely. Did I do it? No, because I learned that it's kind of, you had to go to that risk versus reward mindset you had to go yeah like I can do this but what's like what why do I need to be doing it and is this actually helpful for me um and I mean I was like if I'd been pregnant probably even a year two years ago I 100% would have been that person being like oh look at me I can still do muscle ups but there's kind of (laughs) been a new wave and I think a big part of it is some quite you know significant name CrossFit Games athletes um like I'm thinking about Mm. Lindsay Valenzuela um also Michaela North who was on the um the the team that won the games last year so they have been on social media being very upfront about their pregnancy training, how they were tailoring it appropriately with the goal of returning to training like postpartum. Mm. And so like if you're, you know, and I, so that's how I learned so much. And I was like, yeah, I can still do pull-ups, but I'm not going to because it's way too much pressure on my core and it's just going to, it's going to stuff my abs up. And then when mm. I go back to lifting, I'm going to have all sorts of dysfunctions and problems. So mm. Training through pregnancy was needing to like make conscious choices to be like put your ego aside. You don't have to show everyone you can do everything. Like just do smart training, um, and that was really hard. Cause, like my, my favorite part of CrossFit is gymnastics, and so really at gymnastics, a lot of that stuff just got parked straight away. So um, yeah. I stopped doing handstands, handstand walking. You know, sort of going inverted. Well, you know, wasn't super good. Um, I, I kept doing strict gymnastics work throughout the first and probably half of the second trimester. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I knew that I had to like keep an eye on like, it's just, it's very much, it's the pressure that goes on your abdomen. So I had to get, and as soon as I could see that, like my stomach muscles just like weren't coping with mm-hmm. that pressure. Like it was funny because I never realized how much you use your core and stuff doing something like a pull up until all of yeah. this tummy and you're like, Oh, I, this is just not going well. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So and, and, and like the obvious stuff like GHG setups, like straight out the window that stopped. 
Um, yeah. I love running, but I stopped running quite early on because that was pretty uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, first trimester, like, I didn't change too much, but certainly by second trimester, a lot of stuff had stopped. Um, mm-hmm. I was lucky, like, I managed to keep um, doing my Olympic lifting. Like, snatching went stopped first just because I felt like the bar was getting too close to my tummy. So as soon as I felt like I had to loop the bar out, out around my belly, I stopped doing that because I was like, look, it's going to give me bad habits. Plus, I don't want to be that woman who, like, clonks her baby with a barbell. How terrible. So I stopped <laughs> <laughs> doing cleans for a while, so that was cool. Because, like, I, you know, like... I didn't want to just switch to just doing air squats too early because yeah. I'm so bored. So I was really lucky that I kept doing um, like some cleans and bits and pieces and thrusters like yeah. relatively far through into the second trimester until I felt like um, that wasn't safe for me anymore. Um, but in, in terms of what I was doing with my training, so I train at Coastal Fitness, um, but I mm-hmm. get my training program for me by Ant Haynes, mm-hmm. and also so in Ed Haynes who owns the gym. I used to talk to Ed quite a bit as well because Ed had trained like a number of pregnant women uh, through Coastal as well. So it was really, I was really lucky that I had, you know, the resources available to me in terms of the coaching and also other women at Coastal who had trained through their pregnancies as well. So I had a lot of people um, in terms of what I was doing with my training, kind of keeping one eye out for me, making sure that I was safe because, um, like, anyone that knows me, like, I try to be right. good, but I've also got a fairly, like, reckless attitude to things CrossFit. <laughs> I to throw myself yeah. Out. And then I like, think about the consequences later and like you can't do that when you're pregnant. You have to be so careful. So I was really lucky to have a support network around me that were like kind of keeping an eye out. And, and my husband as well, he'd be like, do you really need to be doing that or is that smart? And more often than not, I'd yeah. be like, yeah, no, I should not do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, people, I mean, as far as uh, clients of my own that I've met, they either, they're almost always on one end of the spectrum or, or the other, right? They're either extra cautious and then they stop working out completely yeah. or they just w- go ahead with reckless abandon. And that middle ground that you, you're talking about navigating and surrounding yourself with people who are not just knowledgeable, but also care for you, you know, in a way that's not judgmental. That's yeah. super important. So important. I can, you know, I can also understand the whole stop exercising thing. Cause for me, I'm somebody like, I love exercise. I love training. It's never going to be a chore for me. But mm. at that first trimester, it is rough. Like, you you feel like absolute crap. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's like having a hangover for, for three months. And often, like, oh. there's a hangover you can't tell people that you have, right, because, you know, you choose not to share the news of your pregnancy for a while. Um, and so I totally understand women who kind of stop because they just go, I just I feel terrible. And I, just, I need to get through my day at work as a priority. And I, I don't have yeah. the energy to train. Um, yeah. And I think the best thing that I did is I, I, like, I just kept showing up. And I used to be like, look, I, I, if I just do half my program, if I just sit on the assault bike, I'm just going to keep showing up to like keep this training thing as a habit for me. And so Love because it. I kept going through the first trimester, it's like you hit that second trimester and it's like the sun shines through the clouds and all of a sudden you feel better again. And like, mm. but you've kept that habit going. But I think if you stop entirely, it's so hard to keep that momentum going. Oh, yeah. And also because particularly all of a sudden you've got this big tummy to carry around and you're like, man, I'm uncomfortable. Like it's so much easier just to go home after work and watch Netflix. So... Right. Yeah, I'm really pleased that I, like, I, was, I, I kept myself going throughout. I think if I'd stopped, I possibly would have found it hard to keep going again. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, how did, how did that hit your uh, nutrition or at least your craving levels? I'm just curious, that first trimester. Yeah, it's funny. Like, it was more like a – I just had quite bad nausea. And it was more like I just – it was finding stuff that I could eat rather than having stuff I desperately wanted to eat. So <laughs> everything you consider is good nutrition, like meat – vegetables fruit you know various sorts of protein no, i didn't want any of that it was just carbs like carbs on carbs <laughs> um 
and yeah cravings I don't know not really it was more like just trying to like just make yourself not like feel less worse than you already do um right um I used to I actually the one gross thing I did used to eat was like um grated cheese stirred into rice <laughs> that's not gross that, that sounds was, delicious oh thank you I thought so too <laughs> Um, I thought so too, but uh, yeah, my husband was fairly horrified. He was just like, really? Um, So do you have a, do you have a a history of counting your macros? Did that go out the window when you, you know, first discovered you were pregnant or? Yeah, so I did, I did used to track macros um, back when I was competing. For me, macro tracking has always been a way of making sure that I'm eating enough, enough food um, to sustain my training. Um, Mm. And also, so I kind of kept loosely doing it when I was first pregnant. Um, but then I was like, I was eating such weird stuff that I was like, it's actually hard to like plug this all into my fitness pal. I can't really <laughs> So um, I think I did use it loosely because the biggest thing was making sure I was still eating enough because I found protein really hard to eat because I just, meat just was really unappetizing. So I used yeah. to use my fitness pal on occasion just to see what I was eating that day to see where I was at. But um, I think with pregnancy, you kind of need to be a bit like a, a lot kinder to yourself. So, mm. you know, you're better off switching to more like an intuitive eating style. And I think your body's pretty good at telling you what you, what, what you need to be eating. Um, mm. So yeah, but sad, like, so now that I've had Fletcher, I'm starting to loosely track my macros again, again, to make sure I'm eating enough because I'm breastfeeding. Um, right. And also like when you're looking after a newborn, like you're, you, you go out the window, like if he's asleep, I'm going to go, okay, I can either in this time that I have, I can either shower, um, go for a walk or I can eat. I can't do all three. And so like I found like if I don't get on top of the eating thing, I'll just go for hours without eating. And then it's just like not a good thing to be doing. So yeah. Yeah. The, using okay. tracking macros is quite a good way to kind of keep yourself on track. And I think later, like later on for me, when I'm kind of through this like super early newborn period, I, I'll go back to tracking macros more closely just gotcha. you know, to support my training. But for now you kind of have to be a bit kind to yourself throughout pregnancy and the newborn phase. Absolutely. You, ha- you have to make it work for your lifestyle or else it's just not going to, it's not worth it even. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about sort of taking out uh, the artificial supplements the last time we, we connected. Yeah. Uh, what are some of your thoughts about that still now that you're breastfeeding and have you reintroduced that before you train or what is that kind of life like for you? Yeah, that was a tricky one actually because so many supplements like, they're not necessarily like a do not take these when you're pregnant or breastfeeding, but it's like these have not been studied. So mm-hmm. that's a bit like off. So most stuff that I was taking, things like um, glutamine and like greens powders and stuff, I just stopped because I, I couldn't get any information that said this is definitely okay. Um, mm-hmm. So I used like a, a clean whey protein throughout my pregnancy. Um, I, just, I, vo- I just avoided anything with artificial sweeteners. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've kind of, and it's funny because like you have the baby and you're like, oh, great, I can go back to eating everything. And then you're like, actually, I can't. So I feel like for me, it was like trying to minimize caffeine. But now that I'm breastfeeding, I was like, oh, I can't go like chopping that heaps of coffee either because then he'll be even more awake during the night than he already is. Because so, um, <laughs> he's basically eating what you're eating still. Yeah, to a degree. Um, like they say, like they say you can have a couple of co- cups of coffee or like a couple of glasses of wine because it like it gets you know, very little of it goes to the baby. But um, right. you, you certainly have to keep, keep an eye on it. Um, and so mm-hmm. like I'm not back into formal training yet like my exercise at the moment is, is literally just walking um, mm-hmm. so I'm still using like a whey protein just to get my protein intake up but I'm not having to think too much about other supplements yet um, like when I go back to proper training I might need to like kind of reassess again but for now I'm just mm-hmm. pretty simple gotcha yeah uh, what uh, so obviously since you're you weren't from around here in 
and by here I mean Asia, mm-hmm. what are what are some of the pregnancy myths that you've had to navigate uh, during your pregnancy, especially as a I guess white person in Asia? Mm-hmm. Oh wow, this is a huge, huge one. It's actually really funny. <laughs> I have said this so many funny conversations. And I think I like, bet. everyone loves like passing judgment and sharing opinions, and I kind of had to remind myself that like it, it usually comes from a good place. Like people mean really well. But, oh, man, so the biggest ones I had were, I mean, there's some which are very cultural specific in Hong Kong, like um, yeah. no cold drinks, um, bits and pieces like that. And you kind of just respect that, like that's just a, a cultural thing. But I was like, mm-hmm. well, I'm, I'm going to have my drinks cold, no big deal. Um, but then other stuff, like caffeine was a big one. Like I got so yeah. many snide remarks if I was seen around the office with a coffee. Just like lots of people being like, oh, is that decaf? Oh, oh are you allowed to have coffee? And I, most of the time I just like, struck, I was like, whatever, like people mean well, but there was, right. oh, there was this one time I still, I'm still kind of laughing about it. Like <laughs> I just, I, cause I just, I had one cough. So like the general guideline for caffeine and pregnancy is you can have like two, 200 milligrams a day up to, so that's like a decent double shot coffee or whatever. So I'd have one coffee a day and that mm. would just be like the best part of my day. And so I remember I went down to like a coffee place by my work. And I was quite a young guy, like behind the behind the till as well. And I was like, "Oh, hi, you know, can I have an americano, please?" And he goes, "Oh, decaf." And I was like, "Oh, no, no, just 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 normal, please." And he kind of like looks at me, and I was like, "Stay calm, Emily." Like it was like it had been quite a long day. So he makes it, and then this other woman comes. I think she must have been the manager. She comes out the back, like looks at me, and I was quite heavily pregnant by that stage. He's right. making coffee. She takes the coffee off him, comes around the counter, and comes to talk to me holds the cup of coffee out of my reach, like physically out of reach, and goes, we do have decaf, you know. And I just like, and it must have been like the time that that had happened. And I just went, are you a doctor? And she was like, (laughs) and I was just like, are any of you doctors? (laughs) After the entire entire cafe, I was so irate. And they all kind of looked really stunned and they were like shaking their heads. And I was like, thank you. And like took the coffee and stalked off. (laughs) Amazing. That is freaking amazing. So there was a one time and I, could, I couldn't help myself. But every other time I just go, you know what, people mean well and I'm just going to smile, uh, smile it off, yeah. I think that's so tricky, especially especially if, you know, there's just so much that you're already dealing with. You're uncomfortable, you're nauseous. Yeah. There's so many things that you want to do but you can't do. Like, oh, you're already so restricted. And yeah. then someone comes by and passes judgment on you in terms of, like, what you put into your body. Yeah. Just like, oh, God, just sit down. And you're just like, really? Like, do you really think that I would make choices that are, that are bad for my child? Like, am I, do I look like that much of a terrible mother already before I've even had this baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Um, have, you, have you encountered any different ones now that, you know, Fletch is born in terms of, I know a very big one, especially in Southeast Asia, is the whole you shouldn't be outdoors until your baby's mm. a month old and things like that. And um, I think I saw something on Instagram about you guys taking a walk and that being like a like a massive deal. deal yeah it's funny so yeah they call it like confinement over here and a lot of um i think it's a chinese saying and it's like 30 days and you kind of just stay at home and just um spend time with the baby and you don't and like there's different like i think the really full-on traditional way of doing it is like you don't wash your hair and you don't do this and that um, mm. which all sounds kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> but do you know what? Like, since having Fletcher, I was like, I actually get it, and I think there's a lot of sense to it. Like, I, of course, don't worry, I have been washing my hair. Um, but, man, like, the first month is, is pretty tough, and I was actually, like, I was too scared to take him outside. Like, I, the first trips that I took him, I had to take him to a couple of doctor's appointments, but I was like, I'm, I'm too scared. Like, he's so tiny, and oh. like, what, what if he cries, which is stupid. Like, you have to get over that because clearly babies are going to cry. 
Right. Um, so, but also for me, like I was so lucky. Like I've got so many great friends here who came to me, like came to visit me. Yeah. So I, I didn't feel like I had to go out, you know, like people came to me, which was really good because like, that first month's pretty tough. And so I totally understand the making it like a formal confinement period. I kind of get that now. Um, but I think like every mum's different. Like you like some mums that I did my birth courses with, they'd be like out hiking the babies like out straight away. Um, so everyone's yeah. kind of different. So I've certainly like I've been out and about a lot more like um, now. Um, but I can't, I think it's so important those early weeks to like just really bond with your baby and like you're still learning, like you're never getting breastfeeding, you're never getting sleep. Like if you try and like go out and like do all this other stuff, it's just putting way too much pressure on yourself. So I'm just yeah. now kind of got again the confidence up to like take Fletcher out. And like I've been down, had some coffees with some friends this morning and like I think, I think I'm going to take him into the gym on Sunday, not to train, like my husband will train, I might yeah. just sit and have a coffee, but like it's stupid, but like that, that feels like a big deal to me. Um, yeah no I mean I think it's interesting that you said that you were you were a little bit afraid what what exactly is going through your mind like in terms of like that fear um judgment or not no not really judgment because I think people are pretty good like with new babies but like I just I'm just I there's nothing worse than a baby crying and I'm just I just I'm I don't want to make him scared or cold or uncomfortable you know like I just all I want to do is like keep this tiny baby happy and I feel like if I go outside there's like all these variables that I can't control and I was like, I have uh, to get over it. And I am getting over that now. Like, I, I know how to, um, but like, I had to learn. Like, I had to learn how to, like, carry him safely and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's a lot. Like, because I, I hadn't had a lot of experience with kids before I got pregnant. So, mm. um, but I'm quite proud of myself. I've been out. Like, I, I've got a cab to a friend's house. I've got him around. So, I'm, I'm all good now. But I totally, I think that first month, like, yeah, you need that time to figure it out. Um, but yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm all good now. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you say was the most challenging obstacle? Uh, throughout your pregnancy and maybe some unexpected joys that uh, that came along with that um do you know what? I think it's almost like you go through for me anyway I went through almost like a grieving process for kind of like my old life and the way that things were because you have to accept like things would always be different mm. once you've had a child so like yeah you know doing my, my, man, my life was super selfish. Like I, I worked hard and I trained hard to like get myself to regionals level and so I spent so much time thinking about myself and my training and my recovery and my nutrition. Um, and I can't do that anymore. And I, I'm so excited about getting back to CrossFit. And I do like to think that I'll compete again someday, but it's going to be different because I like, I've, I've got Fletcher to look after now. So my, my attention is always going to be split. And so I kind of went through like a grieving process. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to have those like hours on end to train and complex and do all that stuff. Like it's just gonna be different. And I and I'll I'm gonna find a way to make it work. Like I've always like I've always managed to work and train. Yeah. So now I'm gonna figure out how to work and train and, and have Fletcher. But um yeah it was certainly a bit of a grieving process. I was like I know things will change now. Um yeah. but it's not a bad I think the changes are awesome. Like I've got this awesome little human now. So he's just like <laughs> you know life is so much better with him but it's certainly different. Um, yeah. And also like just having that whole like it just even so in the open like I was pretty heavily pregnant by the time the open rolled around so I like there was never a, I was never I was never going to scale it or do it scale like I was kind of too far through my pregnancy um mm-hmm. and people sort of said to me they're like oh it must be really nice to like not be doing the open this year like no pressure and I was like no I love the open like I love the <laughs> like I love that stress and the drama like I, it's what I, I thrive on it and so I, I yeah. found it really hard to be on the sidelines like I was like totally involved judging and helping out um, yeah but that was quite hard sitting out the open. I loved the workouts this year as well. I was like, like every week yeah. I'd release it and I'd be like, damn it, I love that one. Damn it, I love that one. I remember looking <laughs> at it thinking, you would have crushed that one. 
Oh, I don't know. I would have enjoyed it, that's for sure. So, but it's good. But you know, it's good because it makes me go. Well, it just it's good because I know that it's something I want to go back to. Because I was like, oh, look, maybe I'll become a mum and I'll just totally lose interest in it. But no, it's kind of the fire's definitely. <laughs> so that's cool. Just I'll, I'll really look forward to when it, when I can get back get back to it. Yeah. No, that's great. That's uh, what um makes your heart grow fonder for the things that you know you couldn't have for a period of time. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like it's, a pretty, uh, it's a pretty good reason to be sitting at the open, right? Like, no complaints. Oh, I, th- I think it is – that I, I want to go deeper into that grieving process that you talked about because I think um, a lot of our friends are – I mean, we've got mutual friends in the circuit who compete, mm-hmm. re- whether it's recreationally or at regionals or, yeah. you know, just train very seriously. A lot of them are starting to get pregnant or thinking of be- becoming pregnant. Um, that grieving process is real. It it's something sure, yeah. that almost no one coaches you through or not a lot of people can kind of, you know, I mean, it, I'm sure Ed, Ed and Ant are great coaches, but they're never going to have to deal with that. How did you, how did you go through that? And how did you make peace with that? Um, yeah. It's a good that decision. It's, yeah. Cause it's funny. Cause you feel like, I almost felt like I couldn't tell people because it seemed so selfish for me to be like, I'm really sad because I really miss my old life and I miss CrossFit. Like, how selfish? Because, like, the response, of course, is like, yeah, but you're having a baby and how wonderful, which it totally is. So, like, at first yeah. I was like, I kind of internalized it because I was like, man. And also, like, to be pregnant is such a blessing because I know it's not something that comes easily for every couple. So, again, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I'm so blessed to, to have gotten pregnant and had, this ba- had a healthy baby that I'm, I'm never wanting to be the one to complain about it. So, mm-hmm. but I think it's just the biggest thing is having that support network. So there were other, I just, you reach out to other mums and I, I, I looked mm. at other mums through uh, at Coastal who were back in the open and training like Babs, Babs Mountain, who mm. was on the yeah. team yeah. in a couple of years. Like she, like she's back crushing it again after having Kai. Um, her yeah. boy and Nick and Nick Bruce as well and everyone um, she's someone who trains at Coastal she, she trained with Ed she's like she's back into it too so like just talking to other mums about how how they did it and like just knowing that you're not alone and like you're not a bad person for feeling that way and I think right mum guilt like pregnancy guilt is so real like you you find something to feel guilty about every day like you you know you, you try to be perfect and have this perfect baby and perfect feeding and stuff and right. like, there's this endless guilt for not getting it right and you just have to kind of give up on that and be like you know what you just have to do the best that you can and yeah you know, and if you just need to reach out and talk to people about stuff that you're struggling with like do, do that rather than internalize it so yeah mm-hmm. I think that, that I'm lucky to have had a really awesome support network and I'm so grateful to my friends for kind of looking out for me throughout the whole process and just like being comfortable with being vulnerable too right like just saying yeah. you know what I do feel this way I need someone to help me through this or yeah. I do feel this way. I need someone to not judge me right now. Exactly. It's like, don't judge me. Just listen kind of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a little bit about the delivery process. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long did it take? Um, I, I had a really, I don't think my, well, no birth is typical. Like everyone's birth is different. Yeah. My, mine did not go the way that I thought it would, but mm-hmm. Um, so I went, so I think when we spoke last, I was like probably due, like in about a few days time. And so I was like, yeah, any day now. Um, I went, like I went overdue. So I went a week overdue. Mm-hmm. And so, so that last week, man, that was probably the toughest of the pregnancy. Cause I was so <laughs> bored and so grumpy. I was just like, oh, gosh, <laughs> when is this baby? <laughs> um, and also like, cause during that time I went to see an acupuncturist. Um, it's one of the mm. things of living in Hong Kong. You kind of have all this access to like good alternative um, medical practitioners. 
And she said to me, she was like, you are way too wound up. You've been too busy, which is true. I'd been like at the beach, having coffees. I'd been out, like, this is terrible. I'd been out at bars, like obviously not drinking, but I'd been out like, having a drink, like not late, but having drinks because I was like, I have to keep myself occupied. You know, I can't just sit at home waiting for the baby. But she was like, wow, you're like way too wound up. She's like, you just need to go home and chill. She's like, retreat into your cave and like let your body know that it's relaxed and it's safe and it's like you're yeah. going to labor. And so I, I took that and ran with it. Like I stopped, I stopped drinking coffee. I did. I ended up like just turning down social invitations. I was like, no, I have to stay home and chill out because I want this baby to come. And that yeah. was hard. So I mean, I, I, I WhatsApp and I was like, yeah, um, you don't need to program for me anymore. I need to, I need to chill. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I went a week overdue. So that was pretty tough. Um, but then anyway, so things kicked off. Like I was uh, 40 weeks and six days. And it went... Ooh. Super, super fast. Like I had this insanely fast labor. And um, so I realized I was in labor at like 4 a.m. And I had Fletcher at 9.01. So it was five hours later. Um, wow. But for me, labor, I won't say unfortunately, because like birth is what it is and you can't control it. But I did end up having an, emerg an emergency um, cesarean. Because mm -hmm. uh, basically, I think what happened is that it just went way too fast and too furious. Like I kind of skipped the early, you know, I thought I was going to have like hot showers and aromatherapy and I was going to practice all my relaxation techniques and I'd mm -hmm. get to the hospital and take out my carefully written birth plan, which I had. The birth plan did not even get taken out of my bag. Like no one <laughs> did not come out of the bag. Um, we just got there and it all progressed so quickly and basically Fletcher got, they call it fetal distress. Like he just got super stressed out. His heart rate dropped. Um, right. And probably a bit, bit gross for people but so when my water broke he had like they call it meconium like he's gotten stressed out and done a wee poo and so that means the baby's super super stressed so when they see that they're like the baby has to come out now because it's stressed and his heart rate's so low yeah um so like you've got to go you've got to go for a c-section right now and i was kind of like well and by that stage i was like all you care about is the health of your baby and mm -hmm. going into it i've been so i was like i really wanted natural childbirth but when that when you hear that your baby's in danger i was like do it let's go like let's go and so, yeah. yeah, I went straight in for a C-section. So I got to, I got to the hospital at 7.30 and was in for the C-section by, like, 8.40. Um, super mm -hmm. crazy fast. Uh, poor Chris, like, he, like, it went so fast for him. He got, like, it was so fast that he wasn't allowed in the operating theatre with me. It was, like, boom, straight in there. Um, wow. Yeah, it was, pretty, it was pretty stressful, like, probably more so for Chris because like, I think it's really hard on the dad. Like, they just, you know, there's not much they can, they can do and he didn't, you know. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty stressful for, for both of us. But then yeah. he arrived and he was super healthy. Like, as soon as he came, like, he cried straight away, which is, like, the best sound in the world. And you know that they're all, all mm. fine. And that, that, it's so cliche, but that moment when you see your baby for the first time and he just, like, stared at me with these massive eyes, I was just like, oh, my God, this is just the best thing ever. <laughs> Did you cry or were you just too tired or you just passed um, out at it? I was so kind of whacked out. I was just like, oh, my God, do you know what I was actually doing? This is so typical. I was actually apologizing because, like, once the like pain relief kicked in, um, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry! Like, thank you, everyone, for helping me." And I was just like, <laughs> "Like, they were like, can you be quiet and let us do this operation, please?" And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> oh, I thought you were Canadian. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, so I was like, "Who is this woman?" They were like, "Can you just be quiet, please?" But like, I think I was so oh. relieved that I had that pain relief and know that he was going to be safe. But I just, I kind of just wanted to talk. And they were like, "We're kind of busy. Do you just stay here and keep quiet?" <laughs> 
Wow. Um, that's that's really incredible. Yeah. Um, so I think my birth, like, I think it was unusual in the fact that it went so quickly, like, done and dusted in five hours. Like, I don't think that's typical, particularly, like, first time births tend to be longer. Um, but for whatever reason, mm. Fletcher decided he'd, he'd make a really quick rush for the world. It was a bit too fast for him. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's cool. How would you, I mean, obviously it sound it sounds like quite a, it's quite an experience in itself. And I'm pretty sure if you guys do have another child down, down the road, it's going to be completely different. And even though you've already had one, it's going to feel like it's brand new all over again. But how would you compare this to what you expected it to be in terms of how difficult it was? Um, there's no way of really preparing yourself for it. Like I think you can do everything you can like to, um, I think like your mindset is super important. So I had done um, hypnobirthing, which is a, yeah, it's a bit of a stupid name because it's not actually hypnosis. It's like breathing and relaxation techniques to cope with labor with, with the goal of having like, um, like an unmedicated birth. So that was my goal. Yes. Um, which didn't happen and at first I was a bit like oh man I like I, I failed natural childbirth and then I was like actually that's that's stupid like no one no one fails at birth like you, you, you know, <laughs> it's just it, it'll be what it'll be and you can't feel bad about how it exactly um, which is crazy um, but yeah like I think so you know I still think having done that and like have practiced that like, those mindfulness and relaxation techniques were like super important um mm-hmm. and yeah and also like I, I'm pleased that I was as fit as I was so like because I trained right up until 40 weeks and I think being fit and healthy was a huge part of it um also for this newborn period like being fit has really helped me because I don't like so c-section is a, is a bit slow to recover from but I actually feel really yeah. really really good and I've been out walking mm-hmm. and um I don't know how much is that is attributed to the fact that I was fit before I had had the baby, but um, I, I like to think that it made a big difference. So I mean, there's a huge yeah. amount of scientific research behind that, saying that that helps with. Um, I mean, there's even an entire company, Birth Fit, that is yes, literally yeah. you know set up to help people be fit for the birth of your child. Exactly. So yeah, I, I'm not surprised at all. Um, how would you articulate that mindset? I, I do agree with you that it's super important that you go in with the right mindset. Uh, but a part of me thinks a, a lot of that is also instinctual. Like you said, mm-hmm. you know, the moment you hear that your baby's in distress, it's not even about like, okay, I'm going to grit and bare my teeth through this. It's, I want my baby to be safe. Like yeah, that's exactly. instinct kicking in. Oh, so exactly. how would you articulate your mindset for this? Um, oh gosh. I honestly, I don't know. It was, it was also it was like <laughs> crazy whirlwind. I think it's designed that way. So you kind of forget about it. Um, mm. You know, um, but I think the biggest thing is going at like not having not not put, not putting expectations on yourself. Like for me, I really didn't yeah. want to have a cesarean. I really wanted a natural childbirth uh, for the various reasons. But now that I, it happened the way that it happened, I'm like I have to be okay with it. So I started yeah. to go down that road of feeling bad about it, and then I was like, actually, stop. Like because to have carried a baby and given birth, however it happens, is just the most awesome thing, and you should be proud of yourself no, no matter what. Like for any woman, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like like I I approach everyone would approach pregnancy and birth differently. Like I'm a super planner and I did all, all my prep for it. And for all the prep in the world, it all kind of went out the window. And your body's going to do what it's going to do. So mm-hmm. I think the biggest mindset. Thank God for that. Just, exactly. So your biggest mindset is like letting go and letting go of any sort of expectations, mm-hmm. and just doing what you've got to do, um, and just staying as relaxed as possible. It's tough, but you like I think practicing like relaxation techniques is super important as well. So yeah, yeah. it's in the soft stuff that you know no one really likes doing or feels like it's you know glorious to practice or, yeah exactly yeah. it's the same with this postpartum period like so the stuff I need to be doing now to get myself back to training is like 
reconnecting with my core muscles and doing like that, you know, breathing exercises and slow stuff. And so mm. like a lot of people said to me, they're like, oh, you'll be back in the gym in no time. And I'm kind of like, you know what? The biggest achievement for me is going to be staying out of the gym until I'm ready and doing like the appropriate rehab so that when mm. I do go back to, you know, more, you know, a lifting and, and weight bearing training, my body is ready for that rather than rush. Cause mm. I, if it was up to me, cause I feel really good at the moment, even despite having, you know, this C-section, I feel great. Like mm. if I didn't know better, I'd, I'd get running, I'd do all the stuff. And I just, cause I know from having educated myself, I was like, I know that my body needs a whole lot of time to heal. So yeah. that when I go back to CrossFit, I can go back to muscle ups and snatching and lifting without mm. like really doing myself internal damage. Um, and it's mm. hard. It's hard like when you feel fine and you're not experiencing pain, it's hard to make the decision be like, you know, I'm not in pain, but I know that I need to rest more. So that's I've just been trying to be really yeah. disciplined with myself like don't overdo it like take the slowly it's going to pay off in the long run mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome uh so you've talked a little bit about taking walks and mm-hmm. doing breathing exercises mm-hmm. what was um what was your first day out of the hospital like um terrifying <laughs> just like <laughs> I'm and we were like are we are we allowed to take this child home on our own like <laughs> um the best thing we did though actually because like people said to me that like take as much help as you can and that's so true so we had a midwife pretty much meet us at home mm. to like help us out um and then like my older sister came over chris's parents have been here for a few weeks um so it's just mm. like surrounding yourself with heaps of help because it is it's quite terrifying you've got this tiny baby who's so reliant on you mm. um but also like so exciting like it's just you just you just want to sit and stare at them for, for hours on the end um <laughs> Yeah, but something that's also been really good for me is that I have been getting out most mornings to walk on, on my own. So I leave Fletcher at home with with Chris or with like with the grandparents, and I do yeah. get out on my own to to walk and like get a coffee just because um yeah you I think you need that time for yourself and like I Absolutely. think like postpartum depression is a really big thing that people are a lot more aware about now, which I think is good because um, your hormones yeah. like totally out of whack, and so mm. for me it was really important to take that time for myself and it was quite hard to get out the door. Like I'd be like, Oh, should I go? Or there's like a hundred and one other things I could be doing. And Chris would be like, go, just go. Like, he's like, get out the door. And I was like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just, um, I'll just do this before I go. And Chris would be like, no, go, just get out the door. And so that's the best thing to do there is to take the time for yourself because yeah. really the rest of your day is tied up with the baby. So to take even just half an hour to yourself in the morning, that's been a really important thing for me just for my own mental health as much as anything. Yeah. That's so good. That's actually, that's the gem right there. Uh, we're going to close off with, with one last question. Mm-hmm. And this is obviously from your personal experience. Uh, we're not claiming for you to be a medical professional at all. Mm-hmm. But based on what you've experienced, what advice would you give to an active female who is, you know, recently pregnant, mm-hmm. but afraid and confused about do's and don'ts for the health of their baby? Yeah, I guess I guess so my advice would be directed at women like similar to me who do exercise at a high level mm-hmm. like in terms of intensity. And I would say ask for help because I think um, listen to your body and trust yourself goes a really long way. Like it feels, if it feels good, like if you want to keep exercising, absolutely do that. But to be really smart about keeping, like making the recovery period after pregnancy as easy as possible, ask for help. So for me, I'm going to go see a woman's specialist physio. So she helped me Mm -hmm. during pregnancy in terms of like, I was like, this is what I want to be doing with my training. Like, is this all okay? So she like gave me that confidence to say that like, I knew what I was doing was safe for me and for the baby. Um, and so I'm going to go see um, her, her name's Susie Williams. She's a physio at Joint Dynamics here in Hong Kong. So I'm going to see her next week to be like, okay, I'm ready to go back to exercise. Like, am I safe to do this? Mm. Like, how are things looking? So that's the biggest thing. I might ask for help. And that's mm-hmm. not just training. And so 
in terms of training and exercise, ask for help, like other mums, coaches who have the expertise. Um, and then also like pregnancy and motherhood in general, just ask for help. Like don't sit there panicking and worrying about stuff and thinking that like, oh, I don't want to ask this question. Just ask so, because every other mum would always be more than happy to, to reach out and help you. So don't Google WebMD and, you know. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> and do not go into those like forums, like the mother's forums. Oh my gosh, they are such a black hole because you're just <laughs> like crazy ladies who are just like, Oh yeah, don't don't read online forums. That's <laughs> Do not. <laughs> and don't listen to old wives' tales. Like listen to someone who has a degree in it, who have been schooled for years. Yeah. Because yeah. the old school stuff is like, don't raise your heart rate heart rate above 140 beats per minute. And I'm like, man, like getting out of bed, like, my heart rate jacks up that high at the moment. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's a lot of old school stuff which doesn't apply anymore. But um, yeah, so just ask ask people who know who have been through it themselves or who are educated in the field. Because then you know that whatever you're doing, even if people are watching you and they're passing judgment, because you will get that. Like I had people giving me sideways looks when I was lifting or whatever, but I was like, I know that yeah. I've educated myself and so I feel confident that I've made the right decisions for my body. So I don't really right. care if there are people giving me like sideways looks because I know that like what I'm doing is okay for me and for the baby. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think one other thing that, I, I mean, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but something that I've kind of taken from our conversation so far is that you've just got to be kind to yourself. And I think, yeah. especially with, you know, so many people having different opinions, yeah. you've got to feel what is right for you and be unapologetic and getting what you need. Exactly. Is that right? And if, it, if things don't go the way that you wanted to or thought they could, like, don't beat yourself up about it. Like, just, just let that happen. Um, and, like, mm-hmm. do I always practice what I preach? Definitely not. Like, I still beat myself up about <laughs> stuff that I just, I should not. Um, but it's good. So that's when you need, like, your friend or your husband or whatever to be like, yeah. chill out. It's okay. Like, that's not yeah. a good deal. Like, don't feel bad about that. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. I think we uh, we've got what we came for. And awesome. is there anything else you, you'd like to kind of talk about? Or no, that sounds pretty pretty good. But I guess um, if, if, uh, if anyone like talking about anyone who is newly pregnant or new mum and has questions, just reach out to me on social media or whatever, because I'm more than happy to talk about my experience or just new mums that just want to talk talk baby stuff because you don't want to bore other people come and talk to me <laughs> so, yeah lovely yeah. where can they find you um so just my instagram just emily crutchley hk it's good mm-hmm. or, yeah just probably the yeah. Next one. awesome yeah so you guys know where to hit up emily congratulations again to you and chris uh it's going to be super exciting watching you guys raise this little human and uh, i look forward to seeing you back on the competition for whenever you feel ready thank you i'm looking forward to it too thanks mel All right, no worries. And that's a wrap. Before you go, I want to ask a little favor from you. No, I'm not asking you to like or subscribe anything or leave a comment. All I'm asking is for you to give it a think. Do you have someone in your life who has an interesting perspective, story, or viewpoint that may be beneficial to the rest of the world if it was shared? If there's a name that comes to mind right now when I say this, please reach out on Instagram at Better Podcast. I don't make any money from this show, nor do I intend to fully make money off the show, but I really want this to become a platform where people can share their stories and ideas and have a platform to have a long-form discussion on something. It is my dream and my goal someday to host debates on this, to allow for objective evidence from both sides of the camp on any issue to be aired. So this is step one towards it. And if you know anyone who might be interested in something like that, hit me up. Let's make Asia a better place, guys. Peace.